Welcome to the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, we want to welcome everybody back to our next episode of the Life Success Legacy Podcast. I'm Chris Bay. Joined today amongst our group, we have the King, Michael King Everett. That really is his middle name, King. And <laughs> Mike Kwong down in Houston. Hey, Mike Kwong, how are you? All right, all right. And running the operation in the background for today is Mike Crawford. He is feeling a little bit under the weather. And so we're hoping he can get to feeling better, but he is uh, able to still do his technology things that he does. By the way, has anybody else noted that, noticed that there seems to be a lot of mics involved in Life Success <laughs> Legacy? So yes, on our I call am. today, including Mike Crawford, we have Mike Crawford, Mike Everett, Mike Kwong, and little known secret, my middle name is Michael. Michael. Wow. So um, we're working really hard on getting Shelly to change her name to Michael, just so we can have a full flush. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, guys, um, today's topic, we had uh, in a recent boot camp, someone asked, okay, is there ever a time that you um, go back and take a loan from a bank where you use outside capital, um, OPM, right, other people's money, um, rather than using your money inside your policy? And it was a great question and a lot of different possibilities come up. But part of the reason that this comes up, Mike Everett, leaning on you because of your connection with Nelson Nash and history and all that with him, one of Nelson's principles um, talks about banks. And so sometimes people are like, oh, I can't use banks anymore, right? So, so unpack for us a little bit about Nelson's principle about banks and where was his mindset when he talked about that? Well, if you go back to when uh, IBC was actually thought about created, interest rates were ridiculous. I mean, interest rates, I, I remember in 1981 when we bought our first house, my, my interest rate on my home mortgage this is going to throw a bunch of our listeners off just a little bit <laughs> was 12 and a half percent. And it was a really good deal. Yeah. So it's just relative in this time frame. So when Nelson created IBC and really the whole thought process was to get out from underneath this mountain of debt. Mm. And really it was a mountain of interest that he was more concerned with. So interest rates were ridiculous. But yet, you know, in that same vein, because of the, the, the major size loans that he was carrying, interest was just a gigantic number. Mm -hmm. And so just by getting out from underneath that, I think that that's what the original thought process was. But you got to remember during that whole time, not only were interest rates high, but the growth of overall investments was at an all-time high as well. And so um, there was a reason to get out from underneath that so you could actually grow your quote-unquote investments. And I'm just talking about as a whole, that kind of thing. Yeah. So 
it was just getting out really from underneath all that interest that everybody was having to pay. Yeah. So his principle of, of um, don't do business with banks yeah. does not mean, and we talk about this all the time, does not mean yep. you're not going to have checking accounts, savings accounts, things like that. But I think, and and obviously there was because of the high interest, um, there was a reason to not do business with banks. But Nelson, to me, my sense was it was been deeper than that. It was a philosophical belief that banks, because of um, fractional reserve banking mm-hmm. and the way banks were set up, the Federal Reserve, inflation, really a lot of this goes back to his background as um, an Austrian economist. That really, I think, is his foundation of why he said don't do business with banks. Would you agree with that? I would. And I would even throw in page 28, Parkinson's Law, mm-hmm. because, you know, we, we are living in a society where if you think about it, if you see it, you go get it. Mm-hmm. And the access for people to be able to utilize, whether it be even a local commercial bank and or credit, which is really just mm-hmm. a bank, yeah. um, people people don't even think twice about burdening themselves with that kind of debt. So I think it all, all of this book, Becoming Your Own Banker, really works in conjunction with each other page after page after page of helping people think, why do this? Why do that? Why not do this? Don't mm-hmm. do that. I mean, so there's a lot of do's and don'ts, but yet really it's uh it's it's a thought process that nelson knew that people needed to get kind of out of their own way thanks for that that foundational piece of the principle that nelson talked about where it comes from the context of the history of when the book was written and what he was experiencing with interest rates and all that now what i want to do is transition this and bring mike kwong into this Um, when you think about the four things that ibc does right eliminates outside debt. We're always trying to turn the wind current first. Then you're building really your own line of credit that you can use for new purchases, investments, buying up other people's debt, et cetera. And then of course, working towards passive income. So I'm guessing that most of us on the team and many of our clients, even after starting their IBC system, have utilized bank money, right? For one reason or another. So what I'd like to do is just kind of we can share personal experiences, theoretical uh, ideas, or even experiences from our clients. Of course, we won't use their names, but experiences from our clients of when have we seen when someone has an IBC system already started, they go back and actually utilize um, other people's money, OPM, bank money, loans, credit cards, et cetera. So who wants to jump in? Get it, MK. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll just talk about my own experience. And, you know, for I, I'm assuming most folks, it's similar, right? Before we get to, you know, the epiphany that is IBC and setting up our very first policy, we've typically had some experience already with line of credit, maybe personal, maybe it's a HELOC, um, you know, credit cards, obviously. And so you already have these existing relationships with these, you know, banks, which mm-hmm in and of itself is not a bad thing. I think to add to, you know, the rate differential advantage of, you know, using a lower rate policy loan versus a credit card, obviously, or even personal line of credit, the capacity of the system, right? Because we all have a capacity of credit we enjoy. 
whether originally from you know commercial banks on the outside, Navy Federal, Wells Fargo, whatever. But think about whatever that capacity is, you're limited to what they extend you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes that gets impinged. I mean, just last year, you know, Pay got a letter from the bank, you know, Bank of America saying, thanks for playing. It was a $20,000 line of credit. It wasn't her, it was them. They had some, you know, restrictions. They wanted to pull back their margins. So ultimately, my point is you don't have control over that limit, first of all. And they can change the rates at whatever, you know, the market, you know, demands. So, you know, those are not great things and obviously would motivate us to get a policy of start our own small pool of capital that does grow over time. But most, more importantly, and I think people miss this, is the control that you have over that. It's ownership in the function of banking that is just as important as the differential rates that you can enjoy. But when you start to take ownership of it, even in the beginning, you can't necessarily finance everything from one policy. Sure, that's fine, but you can always start you know, with it and it's chunked down, whether attacking your mortgage, which is amortized debt, super expensive. We know right, that annual rate is a joke because it's spread out over 30 years and they capture all that interest on you know, the full 30. So anytime you can use even one policy to you know, small like scale start sweeping some of that into your policy, turning that wind current, right? From headwind to tailwind, it's yeah. going to be- benefit you. So, um, Mike, yeah. Pong, I'm just, I'm just going to reference real quickly. You're talking about the nature of that debt. Yeah, right? that's right. And the amortization. Right. I'm, I'm looking in chapter six of your book, the nature versus just the numbers, right? right. Uh, right. chapter six on page 23. So for people who have not ordered or read Mike Kwong's new book, Dibs on Your Money. I highly recommend it. It's a fascinating book. Um, and he's just a really good teacher and, and teaches about the different natures of debt. And we've done other you know podcasts around your book and they can check those out. Um, but yeah, good information there. Mike, I'm going to throw, oh, yeah. throw a curveball in and just add in to what Kwong just said. Um, you know, I went back in one of my old presentations in 2007 at the think tank just the other day. And I thought, wow, we are still doing today what I was doing back in in 2007, but we have, we have expanded what we're doing in a, in a bigger way because now we have a team put together, but one well, and also, I, I would always... say that our clients are at different places now than maybe they were in 2007. Yes, they I'm, are. I'm guessing a lot of your clients in 2007 were only trying to turn the wind current, and very few were simply learning to build it as a line of credit. That, that's exactly purposes. right. So yeah. one of the things that I still say to this day, would you be willing to take two steps back to go 10 steps forward? And you know, you can see, you know, when when they look at you and they turn their head like a dog and they they look at you and they go, what do you mean? Yeah. And I go, well, and now we're talking about why would we ever use a bank? Mm-hmm. There's times when people get started when they have a pool to be able to access to be able to pay the first year premium deposits, which is yeah. great. But then you know, in the midst of all of that, because the system is still building, we're thinking long term, we're building the system, we're capitalizing it. So there's a chance that possibly 
in year two and possibly year three, they don't have enough stored to be able to pay the future premium deposits. So in the midst of all of that, we've helped people think through home equity lines of credit or accessing a different pool for whatever reason to be able to pay those year two and year three premium deposits, but yet take a policy loan and pay off that and still be able to just stay in a great status quo situation because they are utilizing an outside source mm -hmm. to be able to pay something that we know, and Mike Kwong just referenced to this, something that's going to grow automatically because of the design and the usage of the way the policy is is engineered. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, here here's another example for for me, and we, I think we could now that I'm I'm thinking about it even more. There's lots of personal examples. So, for example, when you're early on in your IBC system and you're trying to build up that cash, Mike Everett just talked about. Well, maybe you don't have enough to cover your premium, right? And so that may be a, a way to leverage that. I'm thinking of an example of you know you're early in your IBC system and all of a sudden you have a child who is of driving age and <laughs> you don't have enough money inside your policy to finance that car yourself with your IBC system. So a lot of times what we tell people is go ahead and get your car loan, right? Yep. Get it for as spread it out for as long as you can. And I don't even really care about the interest rate, which nope. that just throws people off entirely. Yeah, it does. What I want is the lowest possible monthly payment because we're probably going to pay off the car within 24 months anyway. Yep. Right. So that's another example. Um, and then I was also just thinking how we we leverage student loans um, during the time that our girls uh, were going through college. We leveraged outside sources, right? Other yep. people's money. While our IBC system was growing, that benefited us to be able to do that. So, yeah, several examples. Mike Kwong, I know you're thinking of one. Yeah, no, you bring up a great point. As far as, you know, um, financing, you know, your child's education, my daughter, she's in high school now, and that's a real near and dear topic. And, and one awesome benefit I always remind folks about IBC is whenever you're filling out that FAFSA, right, the free, you know, application for federal student aid, right? Yes. All the parents are too familiar with that. They're asking for your W-2 income, your portfolio income, business income, you know, passive income, even the one thing they never ask about. Okay. What is that? Your Life IP insurance cash value. Insurance cash values. So for me, for us, as much as possible, I'm putting money <laughs> in there and it's just, it just keeps growing tax-free. It's mm -hmm. invisible, you know, on the FAFSA, there's no there's no need to account for it. It's not taxable. Um, so that's a tremendous benefit too. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Wherever you can, if you can leverage subsidized, you know, almost free money or cheap money up from the outside, get that going and then have the option at your, you know, with your policy cash values to either pay it off all at once when the, before the first bills even do, right? Or whenever it's comfortable for you, um, I liken it to training wheels, right? When, whenever we set up one policy, you don't just go off, you know, with, with no protection, right? You kind of start wherever you can. And of course, if you have some existing leverage and other, you know, bank credit, 
you don't want to burn that bridge and close it down. You kind of, you, you work your way into it. In the first year, it might be limited what you can start, but you can definitely blend, okay, your, your sources of financing for any in project or repair or, you know, uh, investment that you want to get into. There's no rule that you need to do 100% one way and, you know, 0% the other. You can start with 30% IBC loan funded and then go 70% leverage from the line of credit. That's up to you. But again, it's having that choice to do that. <laughs> exactly. Each year, what happens, right? That leverage, that differential is going to move to your favor, to your control, and it's going to be a cheaper cost of capital. So, yeah. You know, Mike, Mike Kwong and I both uh, have background in, in education and a term that's used often in education is scaffolding. And you yeah. think about, uh, and Mike Everett has used scaffolding um, when he's painting his house because I've seen him <laughs> when he's putting like ladders and scaffolding oh, in the back of his ladders. pickup truck. <laughs> Diff different kind, same same term, just used in a different way. So, <laughs> oh. um, scaffolding, as we all know, is it's like as you're painting the side of the house, you can build up and up and up or down and down, down. But it it gives you that extra support that you need that that firm platform. And really what we're doing is we're using scaffolding with our financial world. As we're building our IBC system, you may be already involved in, in some investments and income snowball and other things. And you've been using a line of credit with the bank, which is fine. Don't let go of that, right? But as you are building it up, what we're doing is we're, we're shifting that scaffolding where more and more mm -hmm. of it is being based in something that you own, you control, and you have flexibility with that with your IBC system. We literally tell people all we're trying to do is balance the scale because so many people on this outside debt side, the scale is so heavy with mortgages, cars, credit cards, student loans, business loans, and shifting that over to what we call inside debt, where it's really debt that you own and has been transferred to the equity in the policy where you're actually getting to make those payments. So we're, it just takes a little bit of time to be able to shift that. And one of the things that I was thinking about earlier was, you know, as we are helping people think through paying off their mortgages or paying off whatever, we tell people, we would encourage you to go back to the bank or back to your mortgage company and secure a home equity line of credit for emergency. Hmm. You know, there's going to be that property that you want to buy. There's going to be that investment that you want to do where in the early stages of your system, you may be still building your IBC system and don't have that equity available to be able to do this. All we're trying to do is we're trying to do this all at the same time, but yet giving flexibility and freedom to be able to do all of that without overextending themselves. That's right. I liken it to keeping dry powder in the satchel when you, whenever your opportunity comes around, you know? And it, it not only doesn't hurt, but as long as you're not using it and abusing the outside credit, right? It doesn't cost you anything either, right? Um, and also, you know, I caution against some folks that get really too excited and like, I got my policy now. I'm going to cut all my credit cards. I'm going to cancel my, you know, cancel my line of credit and all this HELOC and whatever. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not it. You know, of course, we don't want to 
unnecessarily do business with banks, but that doesn't mean that we need to burn bridges either because we so all have this right. number hanging over us that, you know, like it or not, is called the FICO score. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some folks, they get it in their head. If I'm not going to use it, I'm going to just close it out. Well, we caution against that because, you know, yeah. FICO score, of course, you know, has a number of components that it comprises and uses, but uh, debt to income ratio, obviously, but also uh, credit limit, you know, available and, and what's used. So if you have, you know, X amount, you know, of dollars available, you can just stop using it, but don't close it because if yeah. you do, what happens, it's like a, a, you know, a glass of water, all of a sudden the, the cup comes down and you have less room and that impinges your your score for qualifying purposes. I will throw out though that if they own a dozen credit cards, <laughs> cut up ten of them. There you go. Okay. Cut up That's ten true. of them. Burn them in the oven if you got to. I'm <laughs> telling you, keep two of them open so you can utilize them to to affect your credit score in a positive way. There you go. Yep. And, and the other thing is, we've been talking about bank loans um, and using bank money. But there's, you know, if you think of a credit card as a bank as well, sure. um, there are times when we use those as well. Mike Everett, um, you and Mike Kwong are getting ready to head to the think tank. <laughs> and I don't believe you're going to have to pay for any flights. Is that right? How's that happen? Well, because I have put literally all of the stuff that we do on in business and my personal use, I, I'm just using my Southwest card. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I ended up having 200,000 points and I think we only used, I think we only used 30,000 points to get to and from Birmingham. I'm coming out of Kansas city. He's coming out of Houston. And I think it, I think the cost of our tickets was $15 and 50 cents <laughs> each. Yeah. So a big 31 bucks that we're spending, but you know, helping people understand it. I'm, I'm using this credit card, but I'm taking policy loans out to pay off the credit card mm -hmm. and then turning around the same payments I was going to make to Visa. I'm making to my own system right? and building it. Yeah. And oh, by the way, when you pay that, you get use of those dollars again. Mm -hmm. yeah. Come on. Come on. So, so in summary, what we would say is, yes, Nelson says don't do business with banks. Yep. Um, and, and if you're a purist, and we have those purists out there who are like, I'm not doing any business with banks, period. But for, for a vast majority of, of society and those who are thinking and leveraging money, we are going to utilize bank money, credit card money, et cetera, to our advantage. And, and hopefully we've given some examples as to why we would do that. You know, I, I will throw this out. You know, I think what he was really talking about is, is car loans, credit yeah. card debt. He was mm -hmm. talking about boat loans and motorcycles. He was talking about commercial banking as a whole. And, yeah. you know, with what we're doing with IBC and now what we're, teaching with the income snowball we're teaching people how to actually overtake those loans and utilize them and do them themselves mm -hmm. and in that it'll there be some uh, lines of credit that would be out there to use and all that good stuff and i'm not the professional on the income snowball in fact it took me a month to be able to call it an income snowball i misnamed <laughs> it 
multiple times and Quan, we were on a we were on a pod or a, a Monday night yeah webinar. tell that story that oh I'm my god I missed so that that would have been a good so chuckle. funny we must have had 20 people on that night man and I was going on and on and on about this whole TARDIS thing and I didn't realize that it was not called the income snowball I kept calling it the debt snowball and <laughs> and when when uh, we got off, this is an hour and 15 minutes later, Kwong, he, he texts me and he goes, hey, dude, it's the income snowball. <laughs> and I'm going, you know how when you're, and I was even by myself, I was still down here in front of the computer. I got flush because I'm going, I'm just talking to a whole bunch of people that knew 100% that I didn't have any idea what I was talking about. Out. Oh. No, no, no. But you know what? That's a funny story. But to be fair, you know what? If you really break it down, the principles are identical. Yeah, yep, really they are. Is. And that's they what are. I mentioned in the book, right? When you understand the principles of money, movement and flow, interest rates and things like that, it's the same thing, right? Yep. In debt snowball, for example, you're leveraging a simple low interest, you know, credit line or policy loan, okay, to pay off to move over and pay off and save yourself interest and cost, reducing costs. Now, in the income snowball, it's the same principles. You're leveraging a simple low interest line of credit for policy loan and investing instead to purchase amortized income, passive income. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the money is still being leveraged to do greater things, whether it's to lessen a bad, saving you interest off a mortgage or some other amortized note or to improve on a good, which is to build mm. passive income. So you weren't wrong. You just used one word a little bit. <laughs> well, and part of that is just, you know, we, we've had the debt snowball hammered into so many of our minds right. from, from Dave Ramsey's teachings yeah. that, you know, if you're thinking about other things on a higher level, it's just that autopilot comes out. So, <laughs> yep. all right. Well, I think we've done a, a pretty good job in outlining why someone might utilize uh, and the fact that it's okay to use banks money. You, we want to caution getting into trouble with, you know, taking on. But when you're using it strategically uh, to your benefit, then absolutely uh, using some bank money can be a benefit. Um, yeah. And, and the one thing is, you know, as we have folks who, if their goal is to pay off their homes, we tell them get your line of credit set up, you know, let's not just have that equity sitting there and, and not yes. doing you any good. So we may have some new listeners that are listening um, that are probably trying to grasp some of this income snowball and utilizing credit and this and that. I, I want to make sure that if we do have any new listeners, Life Success and Legacy believes in relationships, but on top of that, we believe that there is a process that we offer to you at no cost mm -hmm. that we can actually come alongside you and help you be able to gain the knowledge that you want in order to decide if that's the right avenue for you. And that, that process is the webinar. It's a phone consultation. It's a boot camp. It's a dream conversation. And it's then presenting a step-by-step step strategy of information that you would give us along with the dream conversation for us to be able to help you determine what are your next steps. So the process is in place. It costs you absolutely 
nothing Zero. to yeah. do this. Yeah. And, you know, you may get down to the end of the end of the day and go, hey, guys, thanks a bunch. It doesn't look like it's a great fit. It's OK with us. We want yeah. you to know that we're here for you to bounce some stuff off of at no cost because we're kind of like counselors, so to speak. But we're coaching. more than others. Yeah. Yeah, we're educators. We're going to give you the information <laughs> that you're going to be able to make and determine whether or not this is the right path for you. Sorry, that was our plug for our for what we do. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a it's a proven process, and we find when either mm. we take shortcuts or our clients take shortcuts, in the vast majority of those cases, it doesn't go well. Yep. So yeah. All right. Any any last final final words? All good. So uh, listeners, check us out at Life Success Legacy. If you do not have a copy of Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, my old beat up black one right here, you can get a copy <laughs> off of our website. We also have um, a variety of other books. I mentioned Mike Kwong's Dibs on Your Money. Come on, Mike right there. Family Banking with Purpose. Here, hold on. I'm getting another one. The Case for IBC. Come on. There hey, it is. Got it. I got them all right here. Yeah. One of these days we'll have to put together like a family pack for the whole, the whole set. The I think Crawford's working match. on that. Maybe <laughs> he may be ahead of us already and we just don't know it. That's probably the case. Anyway, check us out at our, our next, uh, next podcast. If you get a chance, however you uh, take this information in, if you can download it, make comments, give a thumbs up. Uh, that'd be fantastic. We'll look forward to our next episode. Thanks guys. 